Welcome back to The Fellowship, episode three, week number three. Going to be a little different this week because we don't have a guest. We had two great guests to start, Eric Crane and Cole Young, a.k.a. Thick Owens, a.k.a. Metalwood Studio. But today... You guys got more handles than me. <laughs> it's just going to be us. <laughs> uh, but we did have one book, so it's not like we got lazy three weeks into it. We did have a guest booked. Unfortunately, they had Stuck some... in traffic. He had some acting classes in Burbank. Um, he's working on his stick. Don't know if you've heard of him. I think his name's Monolo or some shit like that. He was supposed to be here, but you're saying that he can't be here. Cute little guy. He's trying really hard. And, you know, I really wanted to know if the accent is real or fake. That's basically where I was going. Well, we won't find out today, unfortunately. This week we are, um, Adam, if I may interrupt once again, um, we're going to be drinking some Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve. These are uh, matured in former rum bottles with some sweet and tropical notes. This is Wonderful. actually delicious um, scotch. So. Pour me one up, please. We, we've got a great show for you guys. Um, May I interject? I was told by a professional broadcaster, as I have said in the last two weeks, we've got a great show for you. He wrote back to me, <laughs> we'll decide if it's a great show. So we That's think it's going to be a great show, <laughs> but you, the audience, can decide. Anyway, glad that you poured us up a drink. I think it's time to start the show. I'm going to bring the bottle with us. Please do. Okay? Yes, yes, and I'll take my drink right uh, now. Cheers to... The Fellowship. Mr. Hall, <laughs> button before you sit down. You're going to have to teach me the way you've been teaching me things for two years now. I'm learning, okay? Button before you sit down. I think you gave me that note right before we sat down. Did you do this one? Oh, yeah. You look great. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Wish for... I could say this <laughs> Thank you for being here uh, because I don't have a guest this week, which is fine. Uh, you are the resident permanent guest i am mr ryan angle you've dropped an anchor on that couch and i'm going to lean on you hard today because uh who did I'm, you i'm just happy that i'm in this seat for the duration of the show because when i'm in that seat i'm closer to the camera and it makes my guest look half my size and me look twice my size so oh. you know the camera added like 40 pounds on me over there so right here i'm feeling really good about myself very good so I want to jump right into it. We have so much to get to. I actually, this is kind of a great week to not have a guest. I've got a lot to throw your way and get your opinion on. Um, I think a lot of people will come to this YouTube show and this podcast expecting some golf content because we are golfers. We have a golf brand. This is golf, golf, man. This is golf. So I want to talk about golf with you. However, at this moment in both of our lives, you and I... Each, for different reasons, can you hold this for me? Hate the game of golf. Now we hate the we hate the game of golf. A little tongue in cheek, but yeah, I could say that. Hate the game of golf for two different reasons. I don't hate hitting golf balls during a golf round and taking turns with my friend. Z. <laughs> but golf is pretty blown right now. Go ahead. And uh, for those of you who don't speak surfer, blown means... Blown out, lame, not cool, over. And why do you say that? Um, I think, you know, it's... We've touched on this before. And uh, it's lost its way a little bit. It's lost its charm. Um, the uh, grow the game um, thing that everyone likes to jump on, like... When the Warriors were winning world titles, people were like, I've been a Warriors fan my whole life. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> you know, um, it's just 
grow the game. The game's fucking massive. What by what metrics are we talking about? No, what you're saying is change the game. Change the game. And the game has changed. You know the the channels in which we watch it via you know social media. It's trash. Just garbage accounts reposting fucking guys running each other over with carts and you know it's 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 like it's either like super like uh, like sloppy slacker athlete streetwear like you know like no it's cool man you know it's either that or it's like fucking natty ice barstool sports fucking frat boy shit you know and then the entire industry focuses on these elite jocks that are just wearing disposable clothing and like you know nascar logos all over their fucking dad hats and shit and it's just it's just lame, dude. You know? You said to me when we were in the office earlier this week, you were just, I think you were on one of those mindless scrolls through golf Instagram, which has been a topic on this show. I just licked your cigar, so I'm going to give you mine. Okay, thank you. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Woo, baby! Yeah, that's a big dog. So you said uh, earlier this week in the office as you were on a mindless scroll through golf Instagram, which has been a topic on this show twice already. Don't mean to beat a dead horse, but we do live in an echo chamber as a golf brand where what, always, what, 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 all we see is this content over and over again. This is what prompted you to kind of lean back in your chair, exhale deeply and say, I hate golf. You don't hate the game of golf. You hate what you are constantly seeing on the internet and how golf is portrayed. Trash. Now, now I want to give you credit for this. And by the way, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. This is not going to be some kind of negative show against the game of golf. We we love golf, okay? We're just talking about the current state in which the game is at and what we experience as a golf brand when we're constantly looking at golf on Instagram. Um, I want to give you credit for this great point that you made. I'd never heard anyone articulate it this well. Wow, I'm getting a fucking compliment here. You you have said to me and to others that golf concentrates far too much on the professionals that play golf. The professionals that play golf make up such a finite percentage of actual people that play golf. This game is dominated by amateurs. It's dominated by probably 99.99% of people. It's dominated by hacks. Okay, fair enough. You know, but it's not dominated by pros. Yet these are the guys that we watch on TV. These are the guys that are in Golf Digest. These are the guys whose equipment we're supposed to buy when we go to Roger Dunn and other golf shops. So, can you kind of expand upon your idea that golf as a whole is far too focused on a couple of hundred people instead of a couple of million people? Adam <laughs> I'd love to. Buckle up. Yeah, you know, I grew up in surf culture, and and surfing's the same thing. You know, you flip through the magazines. They're those things made of paper that people used to look at. Um, And it was the same thing. You know, it's just like contracted pros and all the ads and this and that. You get on the beach, it's like you'd be lucky to see a pro fucking four times in your life. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, Back in the day, I will say this, you know, there was a, there was an old timer at Indian Wells and he was, uh, he wrote this book. It's not very well written, um, but it's very insightful. And it was my 40 years at the fun club of the desert. It's like, 
I don't even know who published it, but I, I found it just because I'm always searching vintage Indian Wells shit on, Inst- on uh, eBay. And don't start fucking bidding on my shit, you assholes. Um, and uh, grabbed the book, read it. You know, the guy's obviously not a writer or whatever, but me loving the club, knowing the history, and hearing his stuff, it, it's, I thought it was really insightful and cool. One of the things, the point I'm getting at, is he touched upon how there was a chapter of some sort of how the Bob Hope slowly started losing its luster over the years. Because there was a time where it was like, you know, n- not uh, as a non-major up there. Mm-hmm. You know, if not the... Uh, Tim Shannon once told me, who was an agent for a um, number of players, both men and and women in the uh, 80s and 90s, I believe. Um, he even said there were two tournaments where the pros circled on their calendar every year, and it was the Bob Hope and it was Harbortown. Those were the biggest parties. That was the one where, like, you know, if you got hot early, you kept it going and you stayed away from the parties, but most of the field was living it up. Yeah. And that's just that, you know, because we've talked about it before, there were stars back then. There was reasons to do so. And, you know, this, anyways, this gentleman in this book, and... Um, Sorry for not knowing the details of it. It's just I can't remember shit. It's okay. You know, I forget people's names right when I shake their hand. Um, Shows what kind of guy you are. Yeah. But I'm a nice guy, you know. That'll get you far. Yeah, totally. He's gotten me this far. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the company, Adam. Yeah, thank um, you. Anyways, uh, he's talking about how the, the hope has lost its luster over the years. And uh, he was saying how the athletes changed. Mm. I don't even like using that term, but... You know, the old timers they'd they'd finish their round and they'd be rubbing elbows with the members in the men's locker room and in the in the grill room and having dinner with with members and stuff. Now it's like they're off in a corner, no one can come near them. They've got fucking headphones on on the driving range. Like this is like the 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 modern athlete is so like antisocial mm. and and you know introverted because they've got some sports psychologist telling them that this that and the other. And that's just kind of it's 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 creeped into everything in life and especially in golf. And I think that a lot of that is why it's so boring to me is because for one it's like I'm mourning the death of the old player, mm-hmm. how players used to be and what I looked up to in the pro scene and now it's just so disgusting. I mean, dude, the the tournaments every week. You can't remember shit from them. Yeah. They're unmemorable. The majors are still great because there's like, there's like a, a a level of pressure to them. Yeah. But the rest of the tournaments, they're just there for us to have an excuse to like, veg out on the couch and not pay attention to our wives and children. That's all they're there for. Sure. You know. Yep. So. Um, and speaking of which, since again it is a golf show and people expect some golf content, this on paper would seem to be a big time in golf because of the FedEx Cup playoffs. You hear the word. What a tank job. You you hear the word playoffs in any sport and you think this is the most critical and crucial time for any sport, for any game. I find it to be the opposite with golf. I don't find any luster or interest in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that it's very gimmicky. The only reason these pros are playing in it is because first place gets like $15 million. It's an absurd prize pool. Great cigar. Good. I'm glad that you're enjoying your cigar. They could add 40 fucking million extra dollars on that thing and it'd still be boring. Well, right, because the only person that that entices is the player, not the viewer. 
I don't put any sort of prestige or precedence on someone winning a FedEx Cup. The entire system to me, the entire format is rather stupid where they go from what is it, the top 130 to the top 80 or 70. You can fact check me, I don't really care, down to the top 30. And by the time that they get to East Lake, the tour championship, the finale, they've got 30 players and the guy that's in first place starts at 10 under par, which is just so wild for golf to start at 10 under par. That's a ridiculous score to come in with, but they do it to weight it so that that person who has the most points coming in has the best chance of winning. I, I, don't, I don't find any of this compelling at all. I find it kind of gimmicky. And I would, I would also say this. I think I could fix this whole FedEx Cup thing in two seconds. You take the field from 130 down to 64, like March Madness. You make a bracket. You let these guys go match play one-on-one. You can seed them one through uh, 16 in four different brackets. If you know March Madness, you know that there are six games to decide an eventual champion. So if you had six rounds to decide an eventual champion, you could play two at the Northern Trust, you know, 36 holes, two at the BMW, and then two at Eastlake to finish it off. And that would be a lot more compelling when you could see one-on-one golf instead of one on 110, one on 70, one on 30, where you're trying to weight the system to make this thing work. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's not a bad idea. It would never work. Um, A, B, they'd never try it. Um, The problem is this. It's, It's very simple. The PJ Tour is making a huge mistake in the fact that their entire existence and what they do all year long is they stay the fuck out of every tournament. Mm. They're sa- they're the sanctioning body, sure. but it's each tournament like the John Deere and the fucking this that and the other. It's like it's on them the the specific tournaments organizers and coordinators and sponsors to make that an experience for people to want to tune in. They're the ones that reach out and you know pay certain guys to show up or write letters to get them to commit and stuff. Um, just like Jack's place and Arnie at Bay Hill and all this stuff. And now at the end, the PGA Tour wants to just get in and be like, well, wait a second, let me grab the reins here and throw a bunch of tournaments together and try to get some interest. Say the fuck out of it. What they need to do is go back to the old days where each tournament had their own legacy and identity, Mm. you know? Um, Like whether it was the Phoenix Open or the Clambake or the Bob Hope Classic. These tournaments were legendary in their own right because there was a control and there was a culture and there was like a mystique and like a a branding that came with it and like a want to be included and the charitable aspect of it and all that stuff. It's like, PGA Tour, you guys suck. They're horrible. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they're not good at what they do. They're just the sanctioning body. If anything, they just get in the fucking way, you know? And it's like, let's build these tournaments back up to what they are instead of just this like yawn fest sponsor thing Mm. you know and um but again that's the same it's the same notion that i touched on it's that newer culture creeping in and grow the game out with the old let's change everything you know and like to me that's what what made golf so cool is like yeah it was hard to get into it the clubs were hard to hit you had to go through the learning process and earn your stripes and fucking see if you're going to make it through that threshold to even want to continue playing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you find your way and what you're into and the clubs you like or the public courses, whatever, you know? And now it's just like, let's just pull the fucking curtain up, let everyone in, 
six hour rounds, wear whatever the fuck you want and just make this a mockery. It's like, this isn't a bowling alley, dude. You know what I mean? Like, tighten your shit up. I just, I don't know. So now, you know, full circle, thumbing through all that shit. Sometimes I just throw my phone, I'm just like, what the fuck am I looking at? This is trash, garbage. All right. On that note, I would like to segue to the kind of golf that you and I like, which is amateur golf, which is what the everyman is playing. Uh, This is a bit of a local story. It has national relevance because anyone can relate to playing around a golf anywhere, but this is extremely local, not only to us, but hyper-local to me. Hyper-local to me because this story that I want to discuss with you comes out of my hometown. Well, not my hometown, but where I have lived for the last three years and take a lot of pride in. Yeah. Fullerton, California. Fullerton is a place that I take a lot of pride in. Um, yeah, they have a lot of great um, uh, paycheck cashing stores and um, liquor stores on every fucking corner. Um, you know, if you need, like, you know, Cricket Wireless or fucking Boost Mobile, like, you know, like, get your get your gift certificates and shit. It's, it's good stuff, you know? Um, I Even mean, the fast food places look different in Fullerton. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the Taco Bell hasn't been remodeled in, like, fucking 100 years, you know? Now, as much as I would love to fight you on any of that i can't because this next story is actually about a golfer at a undisclosed fullerton golf course and we'll get to that in a second because that's one of the funniest parts of the story is that the police which brings me to our next point don't smoke crack (laughs) the police in this story that i'm about to talk about will not disclose which golf course this happened at we'll get to that in a second uh pardon me to interrupt one more time hey nick nick's our fabulous uh producer Cracking beers, lighting cigarettes behind the scenes. Please don't don't hold back. Go ahead and let that rip. I think it adds to the edit, don't you, Adam? There's nothing I like more than doing this show, and then out of the corner of my eye, I see Nick just ripping a dart, yeah. slamming a Modelo. I would prefer anyone who's here, all one of you, to uh, even crack an out loud laugh to make me feel better about my jokes. You know, so they're landing. Yeah, they're they're landing mm-hmm. now. Let's go back to this story out of Fullerton. Your hometown. Which I love, which you like to make fun ah, of. It's all joke. You know? Now, uh, a golfer at a Fullerton golf course left behind a giant bag of meth in his golf cart and a meth pipe. Was it or wasn't it blue? It was not blue. Oh, okay. It was some clear ice. Now, okay. call me old-fashioned. All right, and you can call me a prude, but... When I do meth, I like to find a nice barrel fire under an overpass and kind of wander around naked for three days. I don't like to do meth on the golf course. Could you imagine where you're at in your golfing life to where you're smoking meth on the golf course? Yeah, no, that's that's what I want to get to, okay? so and Let me ask you about this club that they found it at. Is well, it, it's not a club. It's a municipal golf course. Yeah, nothing... I call all golf courses clubs. Okay. Um, or is there like that, like, you know, when you're at a really nice pawn shop in a really nice part of town and, and like, everything's, like... There's like a uh, cast iron fucking fence blocking you from the teller. Is that like where you check in? Is there like a fucking like guard gate of fucking security so you can't like, you know, you put your money in like a plexiglass tray and like slide it under? Is that well, what it is? you know, my friend likes... You have f- a piece of ash on your uh, shaved mustache. There you go. Thank you. That's a good partner looking out for yeah. me. My friend Ryan Rozak likes to refer to Fullerton Golf Course as a working man's golf course. 
It's a grind out there. It's a really nice way of putting it. They put they somehow managed to jam 18 holes into a real estate uh, acreage that could probably hold four holes. Yeah. It's it, it, it's a working man's course, although now I could argue that it's a non-working man's course because it's kind of hard to hold down a job with a meth habit. What I want to get to is what kind of person would smoke meth while playing golf? I understand bringing a scotch. I understand bringing a beer. I understand bringing a cigar. I understand bringing cigarettes. I understand bringing weed. In what world do you need to smoke meth to get through 18 holes of golf? I mean... I would even group that into, and this is a way classier, more expensive drug, but I would even group that into like guys who do blow golfing while they golf is like, how is that helping whatever yeah. the fuck you're trying to accomplish? Right. If anything, you need the vice that like calms you the fuck down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, it, back in the day, you know, they called all drugs either uppers or downers, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know. I'd prefer maybe a little more of a downer when sure. I play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I've been with you. Yeah. You yeah. like your downers. Yeah, yeah. You like your scotch. Yeah. Uh, you, you enjoy a nice marijuana cigarette here and there. Um, Reefers. Yes. So what was really funny about this story is the Fullerton Police Department, who made this story national, put it on Twitter or Instagram, one of the social channels, that some meth had been found in a golf cart and they were actively seeking that golfer they would not disclose which golf course this happened at. And I apologize to the viewer and to the listener for continuing to localize this story. But there are only two golf courses in Fullerton. And you have two. a pretty good hunch of where it happened. Correct. Yeah. One is Coyote Hills, which just by Didn't the name... happened there. Right. It's off of Payne Stewart Drive. Yeah. It costs 150 bucks to play on a weekday, 250 to play on a Coyote weekend. Coyote Hills is in Fullerton? Yeah. Didn't know that. Coyote Hills is in Fullerton. The other golf course is Fullerton Golf Course, the Working Man's Golf Course, the 18-hole golf course built on land that could only hold four holes. Now, does a meth addict work? No. I don't think so. How can you hold down a job while you're on meth? How are you smoking meth and then you leave your shit and you paid to play golf somewhere? I mean, this is just not adding up. Sure. So I want to go on the record and say two things. One... I understand the Fullerton Police Department did not want to out Fullerton Golf Course for having a meth head out there driving around. I get that. But that clearly happened to Fullerton Golf Course, which is fine. I'm a player's member there. I pay 30 bucks a month for range balls. Yeah. But two... How come you don't video yourself on the driving range like everyone else does? Yeah, that's a really weird thing that all you guys are doing where you set up your camera... You blade a couple of five irons, then you wait to that one that you pure, and then you club twirl it, and then you post it. I'm going to start setting up the camera on a tripod in the bathroom when I take a shit. That would be more compelling and more skillful than hitting a Who the fuck wants to watch anyone hit a ball off a goddamn mat? No one. You know? No one. Anyway. Look at the Marge Simpson on that bad boy. Good job. For the listeners who are watching this. Pro tip, when you start getting into Marge Simpson territory, it's absolutely a plus strategy to start holding your cigar in a vertical manner now for those that are listening and not watching a marge simpson is when you let the cigar ash kind of come out like marge simpson's hair as long as possible as long as possible look at the marge simpson on that that's when you know a good sign of a cigar too the other thing i wanted to say real quick as we put this story to bed with the fuller are we still talking about this i want to look into the camera Nick, please edit this so I can be speaking right into this camera. 
Coyote Hills, even though it wasn't you, I want to put this on you because I hate you. And I hate you because I called you very cordially and invited you to a free sample of Swing Lube, our beer, which I was inviting you to bring into your golf course, which, again, is something that you can sell to make more money off of it than you purchased it for. And uh, you didn't give me the time of day. You more or less hung up on me. So Coyote Hills, even though I know the meth didn't happen at your golf course, for the record, yeah, the meth happened at your golf course. And you can you can tell how upset Adam is about you guys is the shoulder pads on his jacket just keep elevating like it's like an elevator suit. You know, it's just they're they're up beyond his ears. It's like smoke coming out of his ears. See that? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous, right? I Anyways, hate you, Coyote Hills. Anyway. I'm going to get some more ice. Keep talking. The show must go on. Should I risk this Marge Simpson? I'm risking it. Well, you know what? While Ryan steps away, we did this last week. Let's do it again. Here is a uh, quick timeout for the sponsors of this program. Indie Brewing Company, in collaboration with Nation Golf, presents Smoking Tom's Swing Lube, a professional beer for amateur golfers. So ask for it by name. And remember to always enjoy the fellowship and to please drink responsibly. And we're back. It's the Fellowship Week 3. Cheers to Ryan Engel. Let's drink up and be somebody. Mm. I've noticed that you've been kind of nursing that. Well, that's because I continue to tee you up on great topics, and I am intently listening to... Are you giving yourself another compliment? No, I'm just intently listening to what you were saying. Now, as we continue to move this show along... um, I am the resident guest, Adam. And you're doing a fantastic job as that resident guest... I think, you know, you might... How much am I getting for this? You might think that this is a little self-indulgent. But trust me when I tell you it's not. I think a lot of people that listen to this show, uh, they want to know a little bit about Nation Golf and the backstory, which I find extremely compelling. This is the backstory of not just how your grandpa inspired you to start the company, but really the backstory of how you and I actually became partners. Um, People probably wonder, like, how did these guys meet? Have they been friends their entire life? Um, And the answer to that question is, we have not been friends our entire life. We met in 2019. The jury's still out on that. On if we've been friends our entire life or if we're friends now? Yeah, friends now. I mean, it takes a lot for you to really, you know, enter into my friendom. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I will continue. You know to, what? You're a good guy. Yeah, I, right. I think you're my friend. All right. Now, well, I you know? appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I find the um, the current story that we're telling at Nation Golf as compelling as the backstory, which involves 40 years of history with your grandpa and you picking up his legacy with the tournament. You and I met through Instagram. I DM'd you. We met for dinner. And I pitched you on the idea of coming on board and helping you grow this company. What do you remember about that dinner? Because I will tell you the one thing I remember about meeting you first. You were wearing a members-only jacket. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah, I think I remember more things about you than you remember about 100% accurate. I don't remember anything you were wearing, nor do I care to remember. Um, I focus on the important stuff, Adam. my member's jacket, unimportant. Is there anything else you can tell us about that meeting that was important? Well, we were sitting outside at a restaurant called Trevor's at the Tracks in San Juan Capistrano. Remember that? Right down near the train station. And I think I had told you at the time, what you were doing with Nation Golf is way too unique, 
way too original and way too cool to not have the kind of following that it should have. And I would like to come on board to help you grow it. So that meeting happened. Then we went out to Indian Wells. We played golf together shortly after. Handshake agreement. I said to you, and I quote, I want to thank our neighbors for showing up. Um, if we're going to make this thing work, you're going to have to survive a weekend with me in the desert. Sure. And we stayed in a nice little hipster posh hotel. We did uh, a day of golf, a uh, night out at my favorite restaurant, LG's Steakhouse. Um, we made a nice trip down 111 to one of the greatest um, nightclubs in the desert, Desert Showgirls. Um, I literally had to drag you out by your black jeans to get out of there. And uh, you were wearing all black that night, weren't you? No, uh, that night never happened. Yeah. But nice try. <laughs> That night may or may not have happened, you know. <laughs> and uh, then the next morning, uh, we played golf again, extremely hungover. Um, I could see the guilt all over your face. It was quite fun. And uh, we finished that second round of golf. We're in the, uh, what's great about Indian Wells is they have this, uh, so Ken Mizuno bought the club, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s. Can't really remember off the top of my head. But when he bought it, um, and God bless him, he's still in jail this day for money laundering, but he was a big-time Japanese mafia guy. Say hi to the meth head from Fullerton, yeah. Ken. And he was, uh, his, his stick was he was going around buying up country clubs, building um, new clubhouses and shit, and laundering the money through all these builds and stuff and going around. Indian Wells was one of them, and um, he built an awesome clubhouse. But since Ken was Japanese, he built an actual traditional Japanese men's spa in the men's locker room. It's very lavish. It's got the cold bath, the hot bath, you shower off, you go in the steam room, the fucking sauna. You know, by the time you shower off and you put some clubmen on your cheeks, you're walking out of there like you are the stud rooster of the coop. You know? Just chest <laughs> out. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, you know, like you're feeling fucking good about yourself. And it was in that steam room that we shook hands and said, you're fucked. <laughs> you know, right. you're going to have to deal with me now. That's you know? right. That's right. Um, and you've been a good sport thus far. Most of your ideas are pretty nerdy, but, you know, to make it big, you kind of have to be somewhat of a nerd. And that's something that I don't do well, but you ex exceed at thoroughly, you know. So thank you for that. Um, it's been a wild fucking ride thus far. What's the next question? <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I have a different memory of it and a different affection towards our partnership and the company. Um, but what I was going to let the audience in on, both the viewers and the listeners, is since you and I have partnered together, uh, we have had what can only be described, and quite humbly, uh, as phenomenal success for a two-man operation. I think that when you look at Nation Golf, whether you're looking at it um, through Tips from the Tips, which is your wonderful, brilliant Instagram handle, or through the website, or through our Instagram handle at Nation Golf, it appears to be quite the large conglomerate, yet to this day, we are a two-man band. When we show up to work, 
we pack the orders, we answer every customer <clears throat> service email, we do absolutely everything. We talk to people on the DMs uh, 24-7, and we do everything. I think a lot of people think that th- there's a team here, but it's just you and I. I don't, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. None of that matters, and the reason why it doesn't matter is because um, the golf, coming back to question one, topic one of this whole episode we're filming um the state of the golf space i guess is what you would call it now um it's so incredibly saturated with so much bullshit and that even goes with the clothing lines there's a new clothing line popping up every day um they're all a ripoff of the of each other there's no story there's no why there's no fucking substance there's no reason why they're doing it other than like golf's hot right now let's make some poly trash bag polos with fucking all over print you know, and it's like we'll call it the the Brad Birdie Boys of fucking Anaheim or something. You know what I mean? And it's just it's all the same shit. Like like fucking Monday Swagger and God knows what else that fucking pops up. You know, and it's like look how stretchy this is. We're playing in our pool with our Michelob Ultras and stuff like that. And it's just <laughs> it's so stupid. And you know, there's there's a sucker born every minute. You know, there's probably a lot of guys out there that want to buy those dumb polos. What separates us from the pack and why it doesn't matter what we're doing behind the scenes is that what we have, we have substance. We have a, a real story. And for lack of a better term, it's a cool story. And, uh, you know, my grandpa started something which was special and it grew and, and I latched on hard at the end of it. And it's what inspires me to this day. But it was bigger than even that. It was an end era. It was an end of an era. So not only do we have a story and a purpose to carry on a family tradition, but it's also like a responsibility to carry on what myself and now yours included sees is lost in golf. And, uh, and it's exciting because no, by, by the brass tacks of everybody's descriptions of where everything is at right now, the industry as a whole is essentially against everything we're doing. Right. Which is why I, you know, for a short time there when I was still small and doing it on my own, I kind of, you know, took the liberty to, you know, tongue in cheek attack brands in a funny way. Um, because Which you just did. <laughs> because, because essentially, you know, like without saying it or doing it, it's attacking us. Our got our logo is my grandfather smoking a cigar cigar. Everything we, we celebrate the country club culture. You know, I think it's great. You Despite know? the fact that we are not country club No, kids. no, and that doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, you know, all these guys who are like, we're the dudes outside the country club and we're against it and stuff. It's like, motherfucker, as soon as you make enough money, you are going to be trying to sign up somewhere special because I guarantee you don't like six hours round at a fucking municipal golf course. So, cool fucking story, bud, but uh, you're lying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, private clubs are awesome. Um, the culture in private clubs is awesome. I think, uh, you know, something went viral last week about some fucking, you know, C-grade comedian talking about how it's bullshit, how you you go to a private club and they make you take your hat off and tuck your shirt in, but then you go in the locker room and they're, you know, saying off-color jokes and stuff. And it's like, that's the best part about it. It's like, you got free reign. It's like, here's who are you to say that the hundred years of the culture of this club, you can't fucking follow suit and then the fact that you can tuck your shirt in and take your cap off inside and go in the men's locker room and talk a bunch of shit, that's the coolest part about it, you know? So 
We're against the grain in that sense, which is mind-boggling to me because that's everything that I see is cool in golf. It's fucking, like I said in the last episode or the one before, it's the difference between fucking James Dean and fucking Justin Timberlake. And that's what we're talking about right now. You know, and, and I'll take Dean Martin smoking a cigarette in a black tuxedo playing piano saying really, you know, off-the-cuff shit than some guy in headphones in the corner working on a swing. You know what I mean? It's fucking, that, that's it. So where were we going with this? I don't even know. I, I don't care because I think that that was... A- I'm passionate about this thing, and that's, that's why our company sings. Now, you did a bunch of great stuff. You came in, our following's grown. Yeah, you know, we've had great success. But, you know, it's teed up for that. You know why? Because we have a why. We have a reason why. We have a real story. And the people that see it and attach to it and understand it, that's why they're on board. And that's why we love our customers. We love our core group of friends, our fan base, our family, everyone that supports us in this thing. And uh, and that's why I know it's going to do well because everyone's afraid to touch on this shit right now. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy to be like, grow the game. Like, wear what you want. This like, dude... The sky's fucking blue. You know, I got a new slogan for you guys. The sky's blue. Grass is green. What else can you say? Grow the game. What a bunch of bullshit, dude. Next question. (laughs) We were sitting in the office this week, and uh, I put on the movie Dead Solid Perfect. Great fucking golf movie. It's a golf movie. You got to find it. It's hard to find. Hard to find. Um, And by hard to find, he means go to YouTube, type in Dead Solid Perfect. The entire movie's there for free. Um, that well, that's how we watched it. Well, yeah. Is it shitty um, quality or? Is well, it- I think it's shitty quality. If whether it's on a DVD that came from it the was, studio, it was originally on HBO, was it not? I don't know. It was it was a straight to TV movie, so it's hard to find as far as like obtaining a copy. Sure. Right. Now, I you know we don't want to do the easy low hanging fruit of what's the greatest golf movie of all time. But with that being said. What's the greatest golf movie of all time? It's Caddyshack. It's not even close. Everything follows it. For one, um, there in, in everything in life, there's this pioneer stance for things, right? It's like you can't be better than Michael Jordan because he did it first. He changed the style of play. He made it cool. He took to the air, you know, the marketing aspect. He was pretty much like the Arnold Palmer of basketball, you know? And uh, from a branding perspective, he won, you know. And so it's like, well, yeah, you can easily say that Kobe had more moves than him or look at LeBron's stats and this and that. But it's like, that's apples to oranges, you know. He teed you up to be who you are. You know what I mean? Because, like, had Michael not played that style of basketball, LeBron James would have been playing the low post and trying to fucking hit jump hooks and get rebounds, you know, with his size. You know what I mean? So it changed the way he played, Kevin Garnett, all these guys. They all tried to be fucking Michael Jordan, you know? So, you know, Caddyshack is number one by a landslide, you know? And all you guys out there who are fucking, oh, Happy Gilmore, it's like, that's like saying Billy Madison is the best comedy of all time. Billy Madison is really funny. No way it's the best comedy of all time, you know? And the same goes with Caddyshack. It's about the game, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the icon in which that movie was created. So it's Caddyshack by a mile. Anyone who disagrees with that, you're wrong. I guess I'm wrong. You're wrong. Um, you were either, no fault to your own, born too late, or you just have bad taste. It's one of the two. 
could be uh, both. It could be both. It could be both. Caddyshack is number one. Um, and Caddyshack needs to be watched more than once. I don't even think Hawk's seen it all the way through, you know? And so he's trying to judge and say that fucking uh, uh, Happy Gilmore's better. It's like, dude, come on, bro. You got, like, if you don't even know the lines, like, or know the history behind the movie, you're like, the fact that, you know, Danny Noonan is just, the, I, there's too much to touch on. It's just, it's so far above, you know, like, like Caddyshack's like the Bible and like, like Happy Gilmore's like the Book of Mormon, you know, like it's just, a, it's, it came later. It's not as prestigious, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's no offense to the Mormons. You know what I mean? They got a great book too, you know, but that's just the way I feel. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone can correct you. They can't. If you're wrong. Um, I told you today, uh, you know, since our guests couldn't make it, that I was just going to lob some softballs to you and that you could just take out a bat and hit him into the upper deck. You are fulfilling exactly what I asked you to fulfill. So, great job doing that. Um, Let me have you quickly rank, in order, your top four golf movies. Caddyshack. Tin Cup, uh, Happy Gilmore, Dead Solid Perfect. And I'll say this. Tin Cup is slightly above uh, Happy Gilmore just because they really showed the game in that era in a way. So if you're like, if you know anything about that era um, or experience or lived through it and are an actual true connoisseur of the game or fan of, of, of real golf you would probably agree with that testament that being said it's slightly above but I'll tell you what 3 and 4 dead solid perfect the more you watch that movie the more you realize that like fuck this is right up there too and the other reason why you know um, Happy Gilmore maybe they really took a lot from Dead Solid Perfect, you know, um, Tin Cup was was made after Dead Solid Perfect, so they took a little bit out of that movie too, you know. So that alone, that comes back into my pioneer stance of it all, you know, where like they really pioneered that zany golf movie that was about tour golf and the story of that player and stuff and such, which is basically what Tin Cup and Happy Gilmore is, you know. It's just Adam Sandler's wacky version of it. And Tin Cup was more of a love story with a little zaniness in it, you know. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, that being said, all of that being said, they're all great movies. There really isn't a bad golf movie. Yeah, and... Nice touch, Hawk. Look at that. I think also... Drink up. And this is not a coaster. This is This is a couch right here. I think also... It's fair to say there aren't a lot of golf movies either. There's just a handful, and they're all really good. They're very good. I could name 20 baseball movies up the top of my head, 20 football movies, 20 basketball Major movies. Major League, number one. Okay, well, we won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely not number one. Angels in the Outfield is number one. <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. Oh, my God. I'm sure you like Mighty Ducks, too. What? Gordon Bombay, <laughs> yeah, Charlie Conway, God. what's there, that to like? There we go. You were just, yeah. You're... Let me get you out on this. Yeah. Um, a story came out. Angels in the outfield. A story came out that everyone has talked uh, to death about. And 
the fact that this episode will air one week after we're talking right now is going to make this story even more outdated. But I see the golf connection in this story. I love outdated, by the way. Really? There was this uh, story that a single hot dog can take 35 minutes off of your life. Now, because... There's no way that's true. Because the hot dog is such a staple of American cuisine... 35 minutes? What'd you say? 35 minutes. Okay. Because the... Might be worth it. Because the hot dog... Is such as long as, as you don't put ketchup on it. All right. I will try to finish the sentence for a third time. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> because the hot dog is such a staple of American, American cuisine. Um, nice. This story got a lot of legs. Uh, it has been discussed to death by almost everyone. I want to tie it into golf because it seems to be resonating with the golf community because the hot dog seems to be the staple... At the turn. Yeah, the staple food that you would grab when you're going from 9 to 10 on the golf course. Um, Instead of asking you your take on a hot dog taking 35 minutes off your life... That's bullshit, but... Oh, there's the take. Um, And by the way, would that even stop you from eating a hot dog? Absolutely not. Fake news. If someone tells me that I'm going to be live to 100, but I'll only live to like 99 and 25 minutes, I'm going to still eat the hot dog because I don't need the extra 35 minutes of being 99 years old. Well, that's great point. Is uh, We've all had those special loved ones in our life who you watch in the twilight of their legacy um, deteriorate and pass on. You know, and it's really sad. And uh, I've had some unbelievable grandparents. And you see, you know, those last five, six, seven years of your life suck. You know, like, you're getting beat down by Father Time. And uh, which makes me realize that, like, quinoa and hummus and arugula and shit, hmm, I don't know if I want those last five years. So eat the hot dogs up. You're not missing anything. I'd rather go out in a blaze of glory Heart attack on the golf course when I'm 84 rather than make it to 94. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, it's quality over quantity. So dog up at the turn. x the ketchup. You're not a kid anymore. You never put ketchup on a hot dog. It's fucking mustard, dude. Mustard, relish, onions. Be a, be a man. <laughs> so... Um- What's the next question? Well, it, borrowing off of the topic is what what is your favorite food to eat on the golf course? Fuck. Because I don't think it's a hot dog. No, I, I mean, for me, and it might just be the name, but the club sandwich. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost like getting a tattoo. Like, it kind of hurts. Like, the, the bread's toasted and hard on the top. They're too tall for your mouth, so you, like, cut the roof of your mouth, but you're just like... You know, and the fucking shit slides out the sides with the mayo, and it's just like, it's really not functional or like very good at all, but it's like, if I'm going to the turn, club sandwich and french fries. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, this is what I get. Yeah. You know, I won't turn down a hot dog. I'll get a hot dog 100%. I think a lot of the hot dog is the convenience. It's so easy to eat a hot dog. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't even really have to navigate taking your glove off because it's a one hand eating experience. Here's, here's a hot take. How come these clubs don't have the greasy um, conveyor belt dogs like at fucking Circle K? That would be genius. Those are the best hot dogs on earth. They're like 
slimy and fucking dark brown and just all they're just like greasy delights you know but the ones you get at the course they're just like boiled in water they're just like very just like unimpressive looking you know like give me the grease dog i think i found the first person on earth who says the gas station hot dog is the best gas station hot dogs are the best hot dog 100 percent. i you are 100 percent dead ass wrong and i can assure you I can assure you. You'll take a boiled hot dog over a gas station grease ball? I can, it's, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's not the best, and I can assure you. It's the best for low-brow fucking quick You dogs. do not have to worry about living to 94 <laughs> if you're eating gas station hey, hot dogs. Best thing you've said all night. God bless you, Adam. Hey, I got a PTA meeting to get to at my kids' elementary school. So, for Adam Hawk and Ryan Engel. That's and it? guest who couldn't make it, let's say one last time. Cheers to the fellowship. Don't you have some more questions for me? Thank you for watching, and we will be back next week. That's it. Yeah, there's Nick. He finally stepped in. Hey, thanks for a great show. Huh?